0: this, and don't give yourself more than a millisecond to answer it. Just go all reflexes. What is the one thing you'd most like to see from the Penguins as a team entering this season, meaning a trait or a facet? You think about that, and I'll say good morning to you because, you know, good morning. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovachevich of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio podcasting network. Happy to say that I'll be back at PPG Paints Arena today for the first time in 10 months. I haven't set foot inside that building for anything in all that time. And guess what? That gives me something in common with everyone else. There have been not just no hockey, no concerts, no shows, no nothing. It's been maybe the emptiest building in the core of our city through this pandemic, the Penguins, of course, when they did get together for that brief training camp this past summer, did so entirely up in Cranberry before going to Canada. This is going to feel much more like their home and where they belong. And I'm very much looking forward to that and sharing that experience with you tomorrow. The one thing I'm looking for, me, To swing back to the question at the beginning, is speed. It's a fresh look, a fresh feel. In hockey, as the late, great Herb Brooks used to preach, including when he was the head coach here, legs feed the wolf. Everything was about skating. When he took over the Penguins, the first observation that he had was, not coincidentally, the first observation he had about pretty much every hockey operation he ever took over, not least of which was the Miracle on Ice U.S. Olympic team. He looked at guys that he didn't feel could skate with the hop that he wanted, with the energy, with the jolt, with the jump, whatever words you want to use for it. You can picture it. Think of um, Brandon Tanev after like six chugs of five-hour energy, that he valued having a team that could take the ice and freak the opponents out just by their ability to bounce all over the rink, to pinball everywhere they needed to be, to show that energy, to challenge the other team, for them to understand, uh uh-oh, We're in for a game tonight. When Herbie took over the Penguins, this was in 2000, they played the Washington Capitals. It was a game at the Civic Arena. And the Penguins hadn't been able to win a game to save their lives, and they looked slow and sloppy and out of sorts. And at the same time, you looked at their roster and you went, there's no reason for this team to be this slow, to look this slow. Herbie cut them loose, freed them from some strategies, and they beat the Caps five nothing. I mean, and it wasn't even that close. Absolutely annihilated them. Hockey hasn't changed in that regard over the past century. A lot of things about the sport have changed, some for the better, some for the worse, but that remains at the core. It's all about skating. So when Jim Rutherford saw... The Penguins look as lifeless as they did, not just in the playoff series against Montreal this past summer. And that can be overblown. It was just four games, and it was coming off a long layoff and an unprecedented circumstance. But even before that, going back to January and February, especially February, was a really lousy month for the team. Uh, Opponents were just skating right around them. And you could see there was a visible difference between them and the teams they were facing, or even teams that you were watching on TV, or later on, teams that you saw in the playoffs, and you went, wow, I mean, the Penguins don't look anything like that. And it felt like it was a team getting older. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But my problem with that premise is that if you look at the guys on the team who are older, the obvious ones, Sid, Gino, Tanger, these guys remain among the roster's best skaters, among the most energetic skaters, among the most effective and productive skaters. So what really was happening? I've had talks with Rutherford through this pandemic on this subject. There are times when he will trust the analytics. He'll rely in particular on possession metrics. Those are mostly generated by shots on goal, either for or against, while you're out there on the ice, five on five. But when it comes to this singular skill, when it comes to skating, he goes old school. And when I say old school, I mean really old school. As in, he'll consult Eddie Johnston, who's in his 80s. He'll consult Craig Patrick, now also on the payroll. He'll go to those guys who could be watching a rink from Mars, meaning the planet, not the city in Butler County, and be able to pick out for you who can skate and who can't. Craig Patrick, of course, having served as Herbie's assistant coach, for the 1980 Miracle. These guys have never, ever, ever, ever taken their eyes off of that. They will judge a performance, not entirely on skating, but mostly. And they'll never let that go. So for me, the best impression, the most important impression that the Penguins could possibly make, particularly early in this season, Whereas we've been discussing here, the first 10 games are going to be a real chore, and the Flyers, the very first opponent, are one of those fast, young teams that can make you look a little bit bad if you don't have the legs going. The most important impression they can make is to look fast, to feel fast, because that's energy. So listen to this first impression that Letang offered on his own after the Penguins' first practice of training camp yesterday. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think we got it a lot faster, uh, to be honest. Um, every, every, uh, every guy that's uh, coming in, uh, they bring a, an element of speed. And uh, obviously, uh, the makeup of our team is, is a little bit of the same, the, the same core guy. Um, so it's fun to have familiar faces at the same time. But um, I think when, when you don't have all the eyes on you, uh, you can actually uh, probably like focus more on your game, focus on on uh, preparing and, and trying to get better uh, without having the spotlight on, on your team. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing. More than anything. I'm a little bit skeptical. I don't think they added that much speed. I think they did subtract a couple of guys that were slower, notably Patrick Hornquist, Jack Johnson. Uh, maybe Justin Schultz has slowed down a little bit. But I don't think they added, you know, a core of speed demons. And the one fastest guy they acquired, in fact, he'll be the fastest on their roster if he ever gets here, is Kasperi Kapanen. He's not here, though, so he couldn't possibly have made that impression on Latang yesterday. Maybe it will be a faster team and in that event one thing I can promise you is that you won't be fussing over the respective ages of Sid, Gino, or Letang, you just won't because they'll just kind of fit right in instead of looking like and feeling like they're being dragged down. Nothing will matter more to this team. When we come back just one question Just one question brought to you, as always, by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. They're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. If you're in need, if you don't know where your next meal is coming from, go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. I'm going to give you the address again, pittsburghfoodbank.org gethelp get help. Today's just one question comes from Cameron up in Slippery Rock, who asks, has everyone overreacted to the Penguins' early exit from the playoffs, feeding into this opinion that Crosby and Malkin are not top-tier elite players anymore? Cameron continues, seeing as Sid is only two years removed from a 100-point season and over a point per game last year, as well as Malkin, suggests that the sample size of five games after a four-month break is too small for people to be heading for the Liberty Bridge. Uh, That's well phrased. In fact, Cameron, I applaud you for pointing out and singling out the Liberty Bridge because if you're going to... It's a high bridge. It's a good choice. But, okay, I'm not going there. A lot of people cite bridges that are way too close to the water. That's all I'm saying here. If you're going to do the job, go to the Liberty Bridge. Oh, man, I just dug a deep hole here that I got to dig out of. Uh, Did everyone overreact to the Montreal thing? Yes and no. Uh, Anyone who looked at four games, you said five, it actually only lasted four uh, because Montreal took three of them in a best of five, uh, was obviously grossly overreacting. I just mentioned in the last segment that on top of all that, you had – the long layoff, you had the bubble effect that not everybody was going to react really well to. You had Jake coming back after not having played in a 100 years. Uh, There were a lot of variables to it. It's not where you would make, if you're Jim Rutherford, your decisions. You wouldn't root them in that. And to his credit, at least according to what he says, He didn't do that. He based it on a a larger body of work that included the way the team really slumped and fell off beginning in January and February not coincidentally when some of their star guys were coming back. If you'll recall the early part of the 2019-20 season when the Penguins had all these guys injured were missing nearly half the team at one point and Mike Sullivan just kept plugging in dude after dude after dude from the AHL and telling them, do this, do that, follow the system, follow the system. And they did, and it worked really well. And they went into some hard buildings to play in and didn't just beat those teams but beat their brains out by following the system, by skating hard, and doing all those things that Sully loves. This group then came back and just tried to play things the way they'd been for the better part of the last couple of years. And that was more the source of Rutherford's reaction this offseason to instilling uh, energy, to trying to put some kind of spark into this team that, as he worded it himself, maybe had lost some of its hunger. Maybe they'd done enough winning. That they weren't pushed to take it to the next level. So taking that and laying it on Sid and Gino, I mean, I know that's it's both easy and fair. They are who they are, and we expect them to put up a ton of points all the time. Sid actually had a decent series with two goals and three assists. Uh, Gino, of course, had twenty-one shots on Carey Price and didn't put one of them past him. And Gino's shot total was higher than anybody else's on either team. It didn't matter because he couldn't beat the guy. Kerry Price was very good. I know nobody ever likes to talk about the other team. A lot of guys on the Canadiens were very good. Shea Weber was really good. But you expect your stars to be able to break through. And when they don't, regardless of sample size, we'll bury them for it. Because these are the big, clutchy moments when we're all expecting magic. Uh, That's not just in hockey. That's in every sport. And sometimes it's unfair. Uh it works unfairly in both directions. To throw out a, a, a baseball comparison for you here, Andrew McCutcheon got crushed for not being able to hit for the Pirates the three years that he was in the playoffs here, twenty thirteen to fifteen. Was that fair? I don't know. Maybe. If you go back to 1971, all the way back then and this was before my time too, but I'm aware of the history. And Roberto Clemente hit 414 in the World Series and he was great in the 1960 World Series too and you thought, "Wow, this is just this is what legends do." Well, he might have just gotten on a tear. You know, he might have just felt especially good that week. These are these are tough situations. Yes, you do want your star players to be your best guys. Mario Lemieux was that. Yarmir Yager was that. Sidney Crosby and Evgeni Malkin have done a lot of great things in the playoffs. I'll continue to have Geno's back in particular in this Montreal series. You don't generate 21 shots in four games in a playoff series against a team that's thinking defense first. Unless you're doing something right. He didn't finish them. He didn't finish them. It's a tough call, Cameron. It, it really is. There, there's, there's not an easy answer to your question. Uh, my general view on this is that four games is nothing. I don't care which four games they are. It's just it's not a fair sample size for anybody in any circumstance. Love this question. Thank you so much for it. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll do this again tomorrow with actual hockey experience for me to share. That's The Point, Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about